right, guys, come in, relax, take your shoes off, put your feet up, and get ready to listen to This Is Bodybuilding. It's a bodybuilding podcast. It's a life podcast. It's a journal. It's an entryway into the lives and the minds and the hearts and the souls of the people who are involved in the world of bodybuilding. My name is Daniel Lansfield. I am your host. And this week is the very first episode. And I thought I'd do something special. So, hey, you know, why not interview my dad, Graham Lansfield? He's a pretty interesting guy. And uh, we have a good chat. Uh, he's got some some pretty good stories to tell. Obviously, you know, I'm a little bit uh, biased, I think, when it comes to to how interesting I think he is. But, um, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a lovable character. And I think the more people that have come to know him over the years... Um, well, actually, look, I don't know. I mean, some people, some people hate him, some people love him. Uh, I'm, you know, on the fence, I suppose, <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, as, you know, family members, it can always be difficult, especially when you work in close quarters, promoting bodybuilding. It's a, you know, can be a bit of a volatile uh, industry. But, you know, we have a good chat and we have a, uh, a good rapport. Uh, he's someone that I, I've always looked up to and I still do because... I think of all the things he's done in his life and, and all of the, the different places he's been. And, um, yeah, he, he's someone that I, I, I really admire. So yesterday we, we held our Victorian championships here in Melbourne and we had a just over a hundred competitors, I think by the, by the final count, which is, you know, it's not the biggest show ever, but it's, it's a good show. A hundred genuine entries, not, not, you know, having people come out two, three, four times each. Um, it was a long day. We finished at around eight o'clock at night and you know, there's, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes in bodybuilding, running an event, getting everything organized, trying to make sure that people are registered correctly, that they've, you know, paid their fees and they've got their numbers and all that sort of stuff. Even the, you know, the backstage crew, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that people never, ever, ever see. And I think that, you know, if there's one thing I can achieve through, through doing this, it's talking to, well, I'm hopefully going to talk to some people who, who are, uh, in that sort of space, not competitors, but in the administration side of things. I mean, that that's more or less what I do at the moment. Um, and, you know, I'll tell you what, dealing with people who are dieting, who are, who are tired, who are emotional and frustrated, maybe they've just walked off stage and they didn't get the placing that they wanted and, you know, they want to throw their trophy or put their trophy in a bin or swear at someone backstage. Um, you know, I understand people get emotional you know, especially when you've you've put in a lot of time and energy and money into something, it, it's really really tough. It, it is a very draining experience. Um, but you know, have some just yeah. Don't 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 take it too seriously. I guess is is my philosophy. Um, have fun. If you're not having fun with your bodybuilding, if you're not having fun competing, then maybe that's a sign that you shouldn't be doing it. If you if you're feeling like you're killing yourself. And I know this might sound odd coming from someone who's a, a promoter, but you know, it should be an uplifting experience. It shouldn't be something that causes you to, you know, ruin all of the relationships in your life or, um, you know, just, yeah, do a, a complete backflip and, and go in the other direction uh, than, you know, where you want to be. Um, it should be something that really makes you feel good about yourself, even though you might be tired and and, and emotional and hungry, um, it should still be an experience that 
makes you stronger. This podcast is being brought to you absolutely free on SoundCloud and iTunes and probably just on those two for the moment. If you really like it, uh, jump onto the Facebook page, Facebook slash This Is Bodybuilding. Share share away, give us a like, send me some... Yeah, send me a message if you if you like what's uh, what you're hearing. If you don't like what you're hearing, um, yeah, okay, be be nice, be nice. <laughs> but you can send me a message as well if you like. Um, and yeah, look, you know, I, I'm open to suggestions. I'm I'm definitely open to sponsorship. Like I said, it's a free podcast. But uh, if anyone out there wants to get their brand a little bit of recognition, I am not above being bought. Just saying. <laughs> So what are you reading there? Iron Man. Iron Man magazine. It's a pretty good magazine. It's not a bad magazine. It's been around a long time, hasn't it? Mm. Were you ever on the cover of Iron Man? Never been on the uh, the cover have of you, Iron Man magazine. Have, have you ever been on the cover of any magazines? I'm sure. Oh, well, I think a, there's yeah, some old obviously, ones. Obviously, uh, many, many years ago when... Uh, the PWBI were was around from uh, Rocco's day, Muscle Australia. You know, I featured on the cover of uh, uh, Rocco's Muscle Australia, but that who's goes that? back into the. Um, I think you've got a, you're going to be stack here. Seventies and eighties. Who's, who's that? Is that Roger Walker on the cover? Roger Walker. Yeah. You know, again, look, bodybuilding over the years has uh, has gone through a lot of uh, changes. Obviously, when I first started, you know, I was probably fourteen, fifteen when. Uh, my father bought me the the old Genko uh, barbell set, and I used to train at home. And then, uh, obviously, when I went to uh, my first gym, California Silhouette in the city, that was a commercial gym. And we've got some interesting <laughs> stories about that era <laughs> with various people. But the the uh, bodybuilding has changed. I remember meeting Les Spenlove, nineteen sixty seven. Uh, he was a former Mr. Australia. Mr. Australia, yeah. Mr. Southern Hemisphere. I think Les lives in um, Thailand at the moment. But he had a phenomenal physique. Um, and I work with his brother um, at ACI in uh, Downing Street, Waterloo. Um, but Les Benlove was uh, an incredible physique, as was uh, Peter Lindsay. These guys had great physiques. Uh, and then, of course, Roger Walker came on the scene. Uh, from from England, and he looked again. He was at a different level again because he was very um, heavily muscled. But uh, bodybuilding over the years, uh, for me, has lost its appeal primarily because of um, uh, the aesthetics of it. And I think uh, too many people place too much emphasis on. Um, size, bulk, yeah. bulk mass uh, over aesthetics and uh, historically it was back in that era of uh, people like Peter Lindsay and uh, Les Spendlove um, some lightly muscled bodybuilders that really uh, uh, were more impressive rather than just bulk and okay uh, over the years through heavy weight training which I started out as an Olympic weightlifter and powerlifter that's where you built the foundation of muscle mass unfortunately in today's society 
people don't want to do the hard yards. They don't want to train for four or five years doing squats and bench press and deadlifts. They're going to do concentration curls and you know roll around on a Swiss ball and do you know, uh, CrossFit type mm. exercises. Um, uh, and that's great if you if you want to be a functional trainer. But to be a, a bodybuilder, a successful bodybuilder, and I always say, Daniel, it's the bodybuilder with the least amount of defects should win the contest. It's not the biggest guy, it's the best bodybuilder. Hence, people like Robert Bergana, and just recently on the weekend we were in uh, Auckland, New Zealand, where Steve Bordeaux, class two, 73 kilos, mm. fitness competitor. He wins his pro card and he won the overall professional category purely and simply because he had the best physique on the day. Mm. The other guys are great bodybuilders, they're they're heavier, but he had the total package. And for me, that's what we should be trying to promote, uh, bodybuilding for the general population Mm. as opposed to the extreme few that want to take it to that next level. And uh, look, the majority of bodybuilders that are... Uh, hardcore or extreme bodybuilders they're all in their 40s and 50s people like and, and we can just rattle them all off you know you got Dave Cutler's over 40 Justin Wessels just won the NABBA over uh, 40 uh, world championships in Brazil uh, again he's uh, he won the Southern Hemisphere this year mm-hmm. Justin undoubtedly would be Australia's best bodybuilder without question best amateur bodybuilder without question you know, he's in his 40s. you got Jimmy Cottontone who's going to do the NABBA Universe this year in his 40s. Mm. Um, Mick Dittman won his pro card, world champion, in his 40s. Um, I mean, does that say something about bodybuilding, though, that, that as a... I mean, I know you, know you won your universe title as a Masters competitor in your 40s. Um, for men, it, it you really don't start get, hitting your peak and your stride until your late 30s, early 40s. Uh, unfortunately, by the time you get into your 50s, often people are racked with injuries, but it's probably that 10-year period between 35 and 45 where you're really at your your peak because you've got your muscle maturity and you know people have been training for 15, 20 years by that stage. Um, it, it really starts to show. And I know guys like Dave Cutler has been competing for a very long time. Um, Jim Cottontonis has been competing for a very long time. They've been training for a very long time. And it shows in the, in the muscle maturity. Um. Well, as I said, I started at uh, 15. Yeah. And I won the, the NABBA uh, Masters uh, Mr Universe at 41 years of age. You were there. Yeah. Um, so I think I was asleep. You were asleep. <laughs> That's another story. But if you think about that, from the age of 15 to, um, to 40... 40 it's a long, a long, uh, hard slog, and there wasn't sort of a, a, a break in, mm. in amongst that. I didn't have like a, a yeah. big layoff or whatever to uh, uh, to decline. And I think most of the guys, and you come back to people like Sammy Ionides now. Sammy's nearly sixty. Again, he started at fifteen years of age, phenomenal physique, um, but he started at a very early early age, matured very quickly. You know, rose through the ranks, still com- still in great shape today, um, has a few injuries. But bodybuilding is not sport. Bodybuilding is a choice of your lifestyle, and and we try and and get a balance in 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 life, I suppose, between being a bodybuilder, um, 
being competitive, mm. standing on stage is, is different than being living the lifestyle of a bodybuilder. Uh, to be a, a, a competitive bodybuilder on stage is different than leading the bodybuilding lifestyle because people put too much emphasis on winning uh, competitions. They forego too many things in their private and social life um, in the pursuit of winning that first well, place trophy. I, rem- and, I, rem- and I, rem- I remember you've always said, I've said this to a lot of people, that um, while you were competing, you hated it. You loved training. <laughs> you hated competing. Because I did. You, you, I, I you really didn't like being up on... I mean, I, I I say it's funny because yeah. you, you, know, you can't get the microphone away from you now to contest, oh. but... No, but, it's not that because I, every opportunity to get on stage, you'll get up there. But no, it's not that. Look, you know, uh, I try and engage as many people, um, and I just put a, a, a Facebook post up uh, with Omar, and it's a beautiful photograph of him surrounded by his family mm. um, on stage. And for me, that's priceless because yeah. for me, life is about sharing all of these experiences no good being a great bodybuilder and ha- having no one to share your victory with mm. okay so for me uh, well, now that that's an interesting point there's a lot of people nowadays who um as you say before they forsake a lot of things in their personal lives for the sake of of a of a trophy and a title um at what point do you say man it's just not worth it yeah i mean there's a lot of people out there um, I'm not going to name any names, but over the years, who through well, because of bodybuilding, or, or um, that seems to be the, the 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 blame for it, that they've ended up breaking up with their girlfriends or their boyfriends, or they get divorced, or you know, all, all these sorts of personal issues go wrong in their lives. But it's all for the sake of titles and trophies. And you say, well, at what point do you do you do you turn people around and go look, get, go well, get your head checked? Well, because okay, look, uh, I think. Um, uh, generally, anyone that is in the pursuit of, of excellence or extreme, and bodybuilding, you know, is an extreme. Um, whether you're playing football or, or you know, th- there's a yeah. multitude of sports where people, you know, have personal that uh, uh, they fall from grace because mm. of you know, drug abuse or you know, you go through Hollywood or you know. Mm. Affairs and, and, and all of these uh, things that we're, we're, um, uh, we encounter in, in life generally. But I, I think in, in bodybuilding terms, because it's not sport and because it is lifestyle and because you can't switch it on and off, you live 24-7 the lifestyle of a bodybuilder. You can't do all the wrong things and then ultimately think oh where's my six-pack gone or you know what is it that that i need to take responsibility for um and and what parts um are important and significant and when you've got children you've got a business you've got a wife you've got uh, you've got to take into account other people's feelings and you really do become responsible for their happiness and their future so bodybuilding is uh, is extreme and it's a very very selfish endeavor do you think too many people and maybe this is just indicative of the world that we live in um in 2016 but do you think too many bodybuilders focus on the physical and not the psychological 
And what I mean by that is they spend all their time in the gym, but they don't worry about their mental health. Um, they spend all their time looking at themselves in the mirror or getting ready for a contest, and they don't worry about the, the emotional impact that that might have on themselves and on the people around them. Yes, no, no, I agree with that 100% because it's a, it's a matter of having a balance within your life where you can uh, have a, a job, a career, have a family, and keep the balance and, and harmony. When you are, uh, are so uh, focused on one aspect of life, and bodybuilding is very addictive um, from that point of view, it's, it's counterproductive and detrimental to your psychological well-being. And we often joke that um, the lost dog's home. <laughs> it, it attracts, uh, bodybuilding does attract uh, some fairly weird personalities um, uh, and not necessarily, uh, I'll be polite, but psychologically some people are uh, quite unbalanced um, relative to why they start bodybuilding. And most people will start because they have a phobia or they, they don't like their personal image, which then manifests itself into psychological disorders, uh, either eating disorders, bulimia, you know, anorexia, you know, they're, they're, they're fat, they want to be skinny, uh, you know, all of these skinny, things. They want to be muscly. They want to be yeah. muscly. You know, they can't get a girlfriend, they get a girlfriend, you know, all of this sort of stuff. It's, there's a lot of um, demons connected with why people want to get on stage. And by and large, the majority of people get on stage for the opportunity to uh, showcase uh, a change in their physical attractiveness. Mm. And, and that's also social media driven these days because as soon as... People uh, uh, do a competition. They want to post it all over social media about their, you know, uh, their progress report and, you know, their transformation uh, as such. And that's 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 wonderful from a personal nature. But again, once you bear your soul to the world, um, it's it's very difficult to uh, to be. Um, meek and mild again you're up there uh, in your birthday suit naked to the world and then all of a sudden when people either criticize you um, it's all well and good while people are being rewarded and being uh, built up praised yeah. but as soon as anyone criticizes people in, in this day and age it's oh you're jealous or you're you've got uh, haters gonna hate haters yeah. gonna hate and blah 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 yeah. so well uh, do you think then all right Obviously, back in back when you were competing, even uh, up until probably say ten years ago, eight years ago, I think the whole uh, Facebook didn't really come about. <laughs> well, and, well, again, Instagram. I, I, the, 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 I, you know, I run a, a, a posing session at the gym here every Saturday, and uh, historically, from uh, 1991 when I won the Nabba Universe, I'd never seen myself pose. So when I first Have you never watched a video of yourself? I we, in that era, okay, Wayne Galashk was making videos, but that was the first time I'd actually uh, been uh, videoed uh, at a major event. Um, and then once I looked at it, mm. I was embarrassed. You know, my most muscular pose, yeah. both hands on hips, you know, the, 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 
bending over doing the, uh, the the trap over is probably one of the ugliest poses that, you know that, that you can do so most of the things that I do now is to try and encourage people to display their physiques correctly so yeah getting people on stage um, inviting their family on stage being photographed that's significant to me because I didn't you didn't I didn't that. have that. But, uh, you you weren't on stage when I won the Nabba Mr. Universe. No, I was asleep. You were asleep. Yeah. But I was, <laughs> so, I was so, But wouldn't that have been a wonderful f- memory oh, for you been, and me? That would have been and, awesome. Okay, we've got photos around the, the gym yeah. here with you on my shoulder and that uh, after the event and you're hanging off the bar there with uh, Sam Munro, et cetera, and I'm lifting you over, over my head. Those photographs are priceless. Uh, but uh, it's it's the fact that when you uh, are videoed or dis- you display your your... Uh, physique, yeah. you want to be proud of it and and to share it with your loved yeah. ones. Obviously, you know, up until about, as I was saying before, up until about ten years ago, the social media revolution hadn't really hit. Um, I think the the only thing in Australia back then would have been uh, MySpace, maybe, um, and that. You I know, know what that is. Exactly. But, yeah. Most people nowadays wouldn't even recognise it unless you're in in the music industry. When Facebook hit. And I remember having conversations with you back in probably 2008, 2009, saying, hey, look, do you want me to make you some Facebook pages? And you're like, no, 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 no. And then a few years later, it was obvious that this was not going away. And then we sort of jumped on the bandwagon. And I think the the social media thing for us now is probably a lot more prolific than the standalone website or uh, the fax machine. And that's, you know, totally obsolete. But but from a competitor's perspective, you know, there's so much of people going on social media now that you know when you were competing, there was none of that. There wasn't that online criticism. There wasn't that critique. There wasn't you know if you wanted the results of a of a contest, you'd usually have to wait for a magazine, uh, sometimes two or three months after the show, before you found out what the hell happened. Now, um, basically, you know, as soon as uh, someone's getting their trophy, it's on Facebook three seconds later. Um, there's there's no time to, to decompress everything that's just gone on, and that that 20 week period that leads into the show just continues all of that stress and the emotion, and that it basically just continues on social media afterwards. Well, and uh, I, well, I think that's uh, that's counterproductive to um, uh, people's uh, well-being these days. And again, if you think back to 1947 with uh, the first Mister Australia. Uh, winner, you know, from 1947 up to, I think 1980, 82, 81, 82. Trophies. I'm going to refer to the uh, trophies here. Don't walk too far away from the microphone, otherwise we won't be able to hear you. Yeah, 1982 uh, was the really the turning point in in Australian bodybuilding uh, history. So, in 1982. There was the Australian Federation of Bodybuilders, and it was split between, you know, Paul Graham in Sydney and uh, Peter McCarthy in in Victoria. So there's always been that friendly rivalry between uh, the New South Wales and Victorian bodybuilding community. So in 1982, uh, at the IFBB uh, World Championships, there were in fact two Australian teams, one from Sydney and one from Melbourne. And uh, that was the point in time that Paul Graham took control of the IFBB Australia. So before then, it wasn't 
before then it was the Australian Federation of Bodybuilders. There was a, there was that was it. So, uh, but in 1980, um, when did Rocco start the Pacific? Was it Pacific Bodybuilders International? The Pacific Bodybuilding Association. Uh, Rocco started that prior to to the 1982. Uh, uh, but again, probably 1978. Yeah, I won the seventh uh, the Southern Hemisphere. Um, so 1977, I was Mr. Australia. So 78, I was uh, uh, pretty sure. A, I'm pretty sure the, the trophy AF, over there says AFBB 1978. AFBB, exactly. 1970, yeah. 78, 77. So, but 77, uh, um, I think, um, yeah, 1977, I won my height class in the Mr. Australia in Sydney. Okay. But that was the AFBB. Yep. 1980, then I was Mr. Southern Hemisphere. 1978, I won the Mr. Australia in Adelaide. But it was 1982, uh, 1980, then uh, Paul Graham ran the Mr. Olympia contest yeah. um, at the Sydney Opera House. So everything was all... That was... Uh, everybody was all... I think, I, th- you know, I think I've actually seen a video of that. It's you, Torelli... Um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, a few old... A few old Old bodybuilders. From yeah. The, well, well from John the John won the best in Australia, and that's how he then went on to. Uh, uh, he went to America, and then he got his uh, IFBB Pro card in America, and then he went on to compete in the Olympia. Prior to um, uh, 1986, you had to win the amateur um, world championships to go into the Mr. Olympia. The IFBB universe, or the I, well, it was called the IFBB universe, but you know yeah. they, they changed that as well. But that, and that was in Tokyo in 1986. So, around the sort of 80s, uh, 82, there was a split uh, between the IFBB and. Um, uh, well, okay, so what happened to Peter McCarthy? Well, Peter McCarthy then went on to to produce the United Bodybuilding Association, which was then linked to NABA in yeah. in the UK. So. Uh, NABA was being formed in 1948 at the London Olympics um, because, because we, people before night before the UWBA was affiliated with NABA, there had been a lot of Australians who had gone over to the NABA universe. Yes, well, back from well, I think 50, uh, well, 1965, I think uh, Vic, Victor Vella, you know, uh, 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 Fred Vella's uh, yeah. um, brother, he was a, uh, from Malta. Uh, now Fred was the one that donated that beautiful uh, uh, perpetual cup to us. He was the uh, Mr. Australia uh, promoter okay. through the 70s. He was a karate uh, expert. Um, but didn't and didn't he kick down a house? Yeah, or he kicked down. A, well, he kicked and punched a house down uh, for a charity in, in Sydney in the 70s. But he was the uh, I think there were five Maltese brothers, and uh, so Victor was a great bodybuilder, and Fred was a. Um, uh, a, promoter. A, a, a promoter and a karate expert. He was probably had a number of gyms in the, the Sydney area at the time. But um, so yeah, Victor was uh, he'd competed in the 1965 Mr. Uh, uh, Australia, and so did Frank Colombero. Frank, I think, did the 1980 uh, Naba Universe with Chris Dickerson. We're hopefully, we'll, we'll get uh, Frank to uh, uh, come along to the Australian Championships. He lives in Perth. He's an old friend of mine, so uh, I'd like to see uh, Frank Colombera at the uh, Never Mr. Australia on the 16th of October. But sort of th- around the 80s, uh, that was the point in time that bodybuilding went through a real change and then, uh, of course, 
Chester Yorton and uh, couldn't beat Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was a uh, prior uh, never Mr. Universe, Chester Yorton. So they started up all of these natural bodybuilding federations in America, the INBA and A and B and whatever. So natural bodybuilding took off in the States around that same period of time. So there was a real uh, uh, upheaval between the IFBB, NABBA, and natural bodybuilding. And of course, everyone knows that uh, Larry Scott won the 1965 Mr. Olympia. That was the first Mr. Olympia contest. He won a grand total of $1,000, and that was a big deal back then. But from 1965, I think Arnold, uh, he then went to with the States around 1967, thereabouts. As soon as Arnold came on the scene after he'd uh, won his last uh, NABBA Mr. Universe as a professional, he went to America and then the IFBB, he won the Olympia yeah. seven, eight times, whatever he did. And the, the last time he won the Mr. Olympia was 1980. That's when he started to do the kind of the barbarian movies, etc. But prior to that, uh, he, he really established himself as the NABBA uh, professional Mr. Universe. He then went into the Mr. Olympia, won it so many times. I think there was, there was one year where he did the Pro Universe and the Mr. Olympia. Uh, in the same year, I think it was 1973 when the IFBB said, "No, you got to pick yeah, us, or, us one, or them." Us or them. And yeah. he obviously saw the bigger economic benefit in being in the U, in the USA. Um, and, and that's that's the, which is, the, you know, the clearly paid off for <laughs> paid well, it off has, for him. Paid off for him. Uh, you look where he is today. But in bodybuilding terms, uh, there are very few people that um, have got Arnold's drive or the ability or he's an opportunist and but he's not one dimensional i mean he's had, not had he had he been a bodybuilder and he retired as a bodybuilder that would have been the last we heard yeah. of him but you know he's been an, he's been a movie star he's been a, in, a, in politics he's uh he's an event promoter now he's a you know he's a an agitator for change in the industry um yeah, he, yeah he's not one dimensional and too many people i think are they they live and die on the stage or they live and die by how many um trophies and titles that they've accumulated and then once they're no longer competitive they disappear and they become it's probably nice to say they could be they've been has-beens but you know they don't find a way to stay relevant in the industry or to to give back to the industry um, either through mentoring younger competitors or promoting an event or just you know being a happy personality there's a lot of mm. miserable Ex bodybuilders out there. <laughs> too many, too many for my liking. But that's called a legacy, and, and you know, you you either leave a legacy of uh, death and destruction, you know, uh, you go back through history. There's certain people that have uh, got a legacy of death and destruction, in historical terms. But you know, then there are other people that have left uh, love and uh, harmony in the world. Mm -hmm. So, which one do you want to follow? The death and destruction, or the uh, love and harmony? And I guess you can be remembered for both, but it's whether or not people sing your praises or they well, uh, the they curse your name. Well, there's a big there's a big difference between fear and, and respect, Daniel. And I often maintain that you know respect is earned. You know, you know people fear certain things in life, and uh, what's the worst thing that can happen to you in life? You know, you're going to die. Yeah. Okay, sooner or later that we're we're all going to face that uh, uh, dilemma, but. <laughs> you know, in, in the short term, it's about your health and happiness and pursuing something that gives you um, uh, purpose. And the, what most people fail to remember in life that they haven't got, uh, if you haven't got purpose in your life, whether it's a, a job or your family or bodybuilding or football or 
a purpose. You've got to have a reason to get out of bed every day. And, and what's the purpose of your existence? To, to work, to toil, to suffer? Uh, I don't know. Bodybuilding, f- for me, gives you uh, a goal. It's, it's not a team sport. It's, it's purely, as I said, it's a choice of your lifestyle. And um, but I think it, it gives people the purpose they need to get out of bed and, and get active. But if that's the only thing that they've got in their lives, it's counterproductive to their life. Yeah, and I, I get, but I guess that that's that's the same for anything. If if the only thing that you've got in your life is going to the casino and gambling, or going to work and being a workaholic, yep. or watching TV, or you know, if if yeah, like I said, if you're one-dimensional, then eventually you <laughs> well, as we <laughs> often say uh, with yeah, the kids, if you watch right. Shrek, yeah. you know he's like the onion. He's got different layers to him, and unfortunately, being a bodybuilder. Is not is not the be all and end all. Of, of, it doesn't define yeah. you as a person. But Being a bodybuilder, it's yes, it's a tag, and yeah. people look at you. But as soon as you open your mouth, they judge you based on what you say, yeah. as opposed to okay, if you're boxing, you're going to knock people out. In yeah. bodybuilding terms, what is it that we're doing? But it's an opinionated endeavor. Someone likes your look compared to the athlete standing next to you. Mm doesn't mean that they're any better uh, a person uh, than you are and it's only how you interact with other people around you yeah. and what you say to people and whether you engage people and include people rather than ban people or or, or be exclusive yeah. you know exclusive That's uh, it's um yeah. yeah i guess probably now more than ever though that there's there's opportunities in um i don't know if they call it the bodybuilding industry but the health and fitness industry to be more than just a competitor, um, and I, I look at you know all of the best competitors that that I've you know, look at today. Um, they they are coaching other competitors. They're uh, you know, trying to be yeah, moving shakers on on social media. Yeah. I think they're they're trying to not just be that one dimensional yeah. bodybuilder. Um, look, but it is very difficult because because there's not that. I suppose there, well, look, there's the, money in the industry, yes. but there's not as n- enough to generate everyone's lifestyle. Well, that, that, that's we can't all the, be professional bodybuilders. Yeah, but everybody wants to be a professional bodybuilder. Everybody wants to make a living as a personal trainer, or they want to be a, uh, a supplement uh, uh, store owner, or they want to be a gym owner. And historically, we never had coaches or personal trainers. If you didn't get out of bed and, and go to the gym and uh, train and eat properly, no one was going to, you know, give you advice on how to pose or or what to eat or you know what exercises you needed to do to get your, your lagging body parts up. You looked at the other guys that trained in the gym and you said, okay, this guy's got big legs. He squats a lot. We'll keep doing squats. If this guy's got a big chest, he bench presses. We'll bench press a lot. You know, it it wasn't something that you needed uh, validation from uh, uh, some expert yeah. to tell you uh, how to train or, or what you needed it was it was self-assessment and it was assessment by your peers that, that trained within the gym unfortunately as I say that mentality and we sort of go back to social media a bit there everyone is looking for uh, uh, how many likes they're going to get you know based on on but, but social nowadays, media whether you want feedback or not you're going to get it you're going if to you get put it. a photo of yourself on facebook you're going to get feedback whether yeah. you like it or not and I, I i think one of the we're sort of used to it with with uh men's 
bodybuilding, but there, there's a there's a sort of an insidious underworld. Um, I don't know whether I'm phrasing that right, but uh, for they're called schmoes. Well, no, no, but <clears throat> the. Um, I don't know really how to put it. There's, there's sort of a, a, a weird phenomenon that women experience on social media where, I mean, it's it's bad enough, you know, <laughs> back in the day it was just the wolf whistle walking well, down the street. Well, it wasn't it. Now it, it, it's, back it's, in the old days it, it was the, uh, you know, again, when I worked in the, in the, in the glass factory, you, you went into any uh, uh, engineering shop that was uh, predominantly uh, uh, men, and uh, there was uh, a magazine called uh, Penthouse Magazine or Playboy Magazine. I, 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 think, I think those are still uh, in, I don't publica- know if still in publication. I, I don't know, but everything is on, you know, electronic yeah. these days. Yeah, everything's but, on display. But everything was on display, yeah. and they used to have centerfolds, and there would be photographs of uh, naked women, you know, plastered all over, you know, various, you know, shops. Okay, so we've yeah. established that men like to see naked women. Well, but. What, and, and what so, if, well, again, I was the centrefold in Cleo magazine. Some women like but, to uh, watch men too. But, um, but, but I guess my, my, my point is that, that uh, and I, I, you know, I'm sure there are some men who probably get the, the muscle worship uh, yep. random messages on Facebook. Um, yep. you know, you, you've probably gotten a few of yeah, them in I your time. Yeah, I did get a few but, in my, my but, time. You know, Poor buggers. We, <laughs> <laughs> women, women in in the bodybuilding world, probably more than than ever, are experiencing. I don't, I don't know whether you'd call it. Um, it probably is sexual. Oh yeah, it is. It's, it's sexual, sexual harassment. harassment. Yeah. But it, but it's sexual harassment in a way that's so. Uh, it's so hidden behind social media profiles. I know, that, but uh, yeah. Daniel, it's very hard to to be. Uh, um, they're, they're, yeah, they're being subjected to um, a, a minority group that look at that and they don't respect what's involved. And I always say I refer to the women as athletes. You know, they're not, you know, they're not pole dancers. They're not strippers. You know, they're they're athletes because they put in a supreme effort to look a particular way. The way they pose. You know, they're still going through the uh, the process of training and discipline, a disciplined lifestyle. It's only those people that are uh, ignorant and ill-informed and uh, outside of the bodybuilding community mm. that don't respect the work ethic that is required for people like Daria Diosi to be Miss yeah. Universe. Okay. Well, I, I guess um, you, know, you, you look at uh, the, the gymnasts at the Olympics... Mm. And there's some very beautiful women, and I, I, I have no doubt that there's probably that same mentality out there. But Obviously, that's, that's just with bodybuilding, it's a little bit different because you've got girls in bikinis, and they're and unfortunately, it's a, it's a different. It's well, a different it's not look. that either. But, but, but there's, there's the fact that, same, that you've got social media and and there are photographs, and you just need to type up anything on the internet, whether it be boobs and bums or whatever <laughs> you want to put on there, and you'll get thousands and thousands of photographs of women in bikinis or naked now whether they're bodybuilders or they're, they're, they're models or they're, they're porn stars I don't know but it's it's that's just part and parcel of it's too accessible it's too accessible it's too it's easy yeah. well, so, but, but again you know like how old's Gabriel 12 yep so your son uh, you know he's got an iPad or an iPhone or, or whatever and 
Yep. You know, I remember. I remember. You know, when I was his age, the only time I ever saw <laughs> naked you, women was, was at, at Tony, Tony Benz's, yeah, Tony Tony Benz's uh, body power uh, factory, where you yeah. used to go into the toilet. So, what's, what's he doing up there, that kid? He, yeah, get out of there. Well, I thought I was being anyway, so, very yeah, clever. Yeah, um, well, you, you thought you were being clever. <laughs> we, we knew what you were doing. Anyway, but uh, that, that's you know that's the difference between. Uh, the ele- electronic uh, age and the the uh, the age of uh, you know magazines. So uh, it's totally accessible to everywhere globally, and that that's the thing. It's not just restricted to Australia. You can go. I'm in contact. So you could be sex- sexually harassed by someone from all over, all over the world. But I, well, again, you know, you know, you know <laughs> uh, my my interaction with people through throughout the world at the moment, through uh, you know China, Singapore. You know, Hong Kong, you know, Turkey, we've got Italy, Greece, you know, every country in the world has got social media access, you know, we were in contact with Poland, Except with Serbia. North Korea, I think. Uh, well, maybe North <laughs> Korea, but, well, but, again, yeah. you, you look at Jay Song's yeah. uh, uh, competitions, he's got 700 competitors yeah. competing at his shows, and most of them are beautiful young women over there, so, again, we've got shows in Thailand coming up, you know, at the... Um, uh, the Asia Fitness Conference coming up, which is a bikini and sports model uh, uh, category. So uh, there's access to to this sort of uh, abuse, I suppose, uh, at people's fingertips these days. How careful do do you have to be as a um, as a promoter to ensure that you're not perpetuating the negatives? I mean, and and you know, do you, do you look at do you look at yourself as, um, it's probably a, a fair, st- a, a bit of a stretch to say that, that a promoter is responsible for that because I think each individual competitor makes the choice to put themselves out there, but um, there, there's certainly an element of, um, you know, we're the custodians of physical culture, if you like, and if there's a, an insidious element in the industry that, I don't know. Takes people down a down a down a bad way. Um, at what point do you say, all right? Well, what can we do? Well, well again, as or, or, or do you, or do you um, think it just it all falls to the individual? Because I mean, I'm sure nah. there's I'm sure there's look, plenty uh, of people out there who, who don't have those experiences, but okay, for everyone look, that does, well, there'd well, be dozens that do. Uh, I, as the leader, I take my position fairly seriously, and uh, again, I don't want to uh, um, see young kids under the age of say 15 up on stage doing you know poses in a bodybuilding situation especially young girls at that age getting up in bikini and some some women their posing routines lying around the floor gyrating and all of this sort of it's it's unacceptable you know it, it's not what it's about and um Again, a lot of uh, competitors prefer to wear a G-string, and I'll relate this more to, to women than men, I suppose. But uh, it's bodybuilding. You don't wear an overcoat to uh, uh, to the beach, I often say. And it's the same thing in bodybuilding terms. And again, we have got a, a saying, you win from behind. Now, most uh, women from behind, if you're wearing a G-string, you're looking at their glutes. You're looking at their hamstrings. You're looking at the, uh, well, the not, ratio. There's not really from a lot their... left to the imagination. Well, there's not left. Not le- well, again, uh, you, you can't. So unless you're going to wear a, a full brief bikini, and then it looks a little bit mm, nannerish, I say, in my opinion, 
And again, we are a European-based uh, organisation. Not that I'm saying that you have to wear a G-string, but it's very complementary to a, women, a woman's figure if she is in good condition. If she's not in good condition, she's not going to look great up there. It'll be like yeah. putting you up there in your, you know, your, your men bikini, uh, you and you and, Glenn, <laughs> you, you and Glenn Gattolaro who look good together in, in your men <laughs> bikinis. But um, it, it, for me, a G-string complements a woman's uh, rear very well if she's in condition if she's in condition and but, that's the but whole that's thing that's probably the same for for men you know if you well it is if you're but, in condition but generally if you're not in got, condition yeah maybe you should so, get so on why stage. pull why, why <laughs> pull your why pull your trunks up if you you know if you've got striations in your glutes yeah, yeah i understand why guys will pull their their trunks up to show me their glutes but i'm not really interested in seeing some guy's hairy backside by pulling his trunks up the crack of his his bum yeah. Yeah, so i understand the striations in the glutes and I, I don't have a problem with that. But again, now I remember many years ago, and uh, our, our friend who passed away, you know, he was a stripper. He came off stage, and uh, that was a point in time when I actually resigned my my membership, you know, from the organisation yeah. that promoted the contest because you were backstage with your sister at the time. Yeah. He's a stripper. He strips on stage and he walks off stage bare assed and he's got his hand over his uh, the front of his self. I thought now, I was. I, I do remember that. I think that was was that Campbell Campbell Civic Centre many that, many years ago. But but that was 20, that, it. Must have been twenty years ago. Twenty years ago. But, but, so, so I thought I was sitting in the in the audience. No, no, you were okay, backstage because I've got a photo with you, the trophy actually. Okay. But uh, the thing is, uh, people, and that's an individual mm. that has uh, no respect or. Uh, but that's more about having respect for the other people yes, around them. Yes, but mm. that's also up to the promoter mm. to stop that sort of behaviour, or yeah. at least after the event, you get banned. You, yeah. you don't go, oh, no, gee, that was funny. If, <laughs> if you're going to get banned yeah. for something, it should be for should. an infraction that, you know, but again, or some sort of misconduct or, or something like that. Not. I, I just said before that I, I want to encourage families to, uh, to participate and enjoy. I don't want to be uh, subject families to ignorance and uh, you know striptease artists. That's that's not what the competition's about. You want to be a, a male stripper or a topless waiter or whatever you're going to be a lingerie waitress. Go and do that, but uh, don't bring that element into bodybuilding because that's not what it's about. It may be in in other organisations, but. As far as I'm concerned, being the president, and you know, as, the, as the Greeks say, the stink of the fish starts at the head. If I'm the head, yeah. then I need to take responsibility and control of that. And if I'm going to allow other people to control the organisation, or my happiness for that matter, then I'm not really in control of the, uh, the situation. So, all right, take us, take us, take us back. Now going around full circle here. Uh, why did you get into bodybuilding? Why did I get into bodybuilding? Because I was, uh, I think, I started at ACI, which was under the Westgate Bridge in Spotswood when I was sixteen, um, and I was a draftsman, and I'd always been pretty active, swimming, playing football, etc. Got to, uh, you know sitting on my bum all day as a draftsman and thought, oh, I need to do some exercise. And I really, 
I didn't have the opportunity to play football at that point in time because I was too short and too fat. Um, so I joined uh, the first gym in, um, in the city, in Collins Street, called California Silhouette. I lasted there for a couple of years, then I went around the corner to um, uh, Alan Rose's, uh, of Frank Sedgman's old gym, and from there went to the Oasis, ended up at uh, Dennis Fitzpatrick's gym in Brunswick, uh, went to uh, Sydney and trained at the city gym with Billy Moore, uh, went to your godfather's gym in uh, South Hurstville, Bobby Landers, mm-hmm. um, came back to Melbourne, trained at Finlay's gym out in Camberwell, and then uh, ultimately left uh, ACI at the age of 40, thereabouts, uh, won the Mr Universe 1941, and opened Athletic Health Club. So we've had uh, Athletic Health Club for 25 years. This is our 25-year anniversary this year. So, yeah, I worked 25 years as an engineer with ACI, and uh, I've owned the gym here for 25 years. So, so. While, while you were, and that, I guess that's probably another thing as well, that, that you were competing from about, what, 25, 26, I think? Well, yeah, well, uh, as I said, I, I think the first contest that I won was 1977, Mr Victoria and uh, Mr Australia. But, and before, um, but, but, so, but but I remember before that, before that you were powerlifting. I was powerlifting, yeah, so and I was a weightlifter so and powerlifter. Uh, you know, one of our oldest members here, uh, Eric Rosario, passed away just recently. Eric was 85, but he was my first uh, Olympic weightlifting coach. Now, he, he trained here at the gym right up until his death uh, earlier this year. So, uh, again... But, but, but he was, you know, how old was he when he passed away? 80. He was 85, so... Uh, I, 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 I remember, been... I've got a video of him a couple of years ago uh, with about, I think it's about 200 kilos on a... Yep. On a, on a, yep. a, a leg, not a leg press, but a, a reverse yeah. hack squat. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, was, he was moving that. Not a lot because he had didn't you know. But it's beside the point. But he was moving. Years, he's he, moving. He the, still moving put the weight, it on, you know? his, on his shoulders. So yeah, uh, yeah and uh, again, I was uh, 19. I think I bench pressed 450 pound, which was an Australian record at the time. And Wayne Galash from uh, GMV uh, has been a close personal friend of mine since the age of 19. Uh, you remember Wayne was in uh, Florida with us, yeah. uh, videoing the universe this year. So I've known Wayne for. What's that? Forty-five years, mm. so forty-six years, forty-seven years. It, it, it's a long time to be in the industry, and um, I often uh, lament that I, I've probably forgotten more about bodybuilding than most people will ever remember. But uh, it comes back to a respect, and uh, I think I'm not. I haven't been uh, the NABA World President and the WFF World President because people don't respect my history in, in, in bodybuilding. And uh, at the moment, uh, there seems to be a lack of respect for the industry generally. And um, I, I find that... Uh, that's, that's a bit of what goes around, comes around, isn't it? I mean... Yeah, I suppose so, but it's... In a, in a um, sense, a bit before, before the... Um, I, I guess the, before the 1980s, bodybuilding was taken somewhat seriously as a and looked on as a sport and then the drug scandals of the 1980s and, and that didn't just affect bodybuilding it was all professional sports uh, i remember uh even you know pro wrestling which is not obviously not a sport but 
um, you know, they were subjected to, and, and Vince McMahon was subjected to, to all that stuff in the, in the USA. Um, and then in the 1990s, it was more, more or less just accepted in bodybuilding that just get as big as you want. And, and, and well, sort of, and, well, yes and no. the, the well, tide kind of turned. It became look, up, up to 1980, when Arnold, you know, sort of finished his career, then other people came into bodybuilding terms. And I think it was probably Dorian Yates that really changed the whole landscape as far as bodybuilding was concerned. Once Dorian hit the scene, it was he who is the biggest, uh, and to quote the old Shane Stratton, he who dies biggest wins. And uh, that sort of culture, that mentality, I really I disagree with because it's it's um, there are certain people that can drink a bottle of whiskey a day and they'll, they'll survive. There's a guy we were looking at the internet the other day. He's 140 years of age or something. He's in Malaysia and he's still smoking a cigarette at 140 years of age. You know, other people are dying because of lung cancer. So it it really depends on your constitution as far as how much uh, you, your body can withstand. Now, whether that be through training or, or uh, other, other abuse, but it's, it's not for everyone. And bodybuilding at that extreme level is a bit like a train wreck. People want to look at it, but no one wants to get involved in it. And I say, what is it that we want to promote? Are we trying to promote uh, extreme sport here? Whether it be in, you know, football or, or you know, every sport, every sport has developed because of the amount of money connected to it. Okay, and as I said before, nineteen sixty-five, the Mr. Olympia got a thousand. How much did he get this year? Two hundred and fifty thousand. And the rest, I think he got four hundred thousand. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know well, the, the but detail, it, but but that, that but shows you how much money there is in, yes. in the industry at that level. Yeah, but you know, there's a. That's really the the one percent of bodybuilders out there are capable of being at that level. All the other ninety nine percent are probably so far behind that level and trying to play catch up. And that's not necessarily the, the promotions, but the actual competitors themselves. If you look at the top competitor in every organisation around the world, um, you know, there's a massive divide between those guys and the people who stand on the Olympia stage. Yeah, and and you know I can say that quite comfortably having seen a lot of different promotions over the years and, and been at uh, world championships and universe championships, um, there is a, a difference. But it, I, guess, I guess then it comes back to what are you looking to promote? That, that well, if you well, want to promote ultimate, something that's well, healthy and achievable... But that's the whole point. Why do you just... Yeah, you asked me the question, where did, where did I start? I started as a 16, 15, 16-year-old 16 kid. I didn't like myself because I was a draftsman. I was getting fat sitting on my bum all day. I went to the gym and I got hooked on weight lifting... And as you mentioned before, I really didn't enjoy being on stage. That for me is uh, the bodybuilding competition was almost an anticlimax to the contest preparation itself. Is that because you didn't like dieting? Yeah. <laughs> oh, like well, well yeah, stage. okay. Most people don't like dieting. Yeah, and it's, it's a bit like being let out of prison at the end of uh, your 20-week contest preparation or what. But you can eat ice cream, you can eat pizza, you can drink beer, you can chase the girls, you don't need, you, you don't need to get up and do your cardio and do all of these things. That mentality has changed too because if you're a professional bodybuilder, you never have an off-season. Okay? You're, 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 if you're not uh, competing... You're still giving seminars, you're going guest appearances. You might be out of shape, but you're still in uh, that, that. Yeah, you, you wouldn't want to be more than 
10 or 15 kilos. No, well, again, I, I always I say to everybody, you should, you should not range. allow yourself to be 10% above your contest uh, condition, especially if you've been training for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. To put on 20 or 30 kilos of fat, uh, it makes no sense whatsoever. It's unhealthy. And for what purpose? Just because you're, you can't control what goes in your gob. That's it. You, you, you're just... That means that you, you're undisciplined and you haven't got the right mental uh, strength uh, to control what is going in your mouth because you think that you need to put on social media that I'm eating KFC or I'm eating McDonald's or I'm eating ice creams and donuts with you know Twinkie bars in the middle of them or whatever you, you're doing. What's that about? That's just uh, madness. It, uh, you're just eating you know, calories for no benefit other than the fact that mentally you think that uh, you need that, I guess that, that relief. That, that's sort of the, the, the bodybuilding equivalent of uh, people going out on a Friday night and you know putting photos of all the drinks they've had. And then when you actually tally up the amount of calories and each, each one of those drinks, it's probably about two or three days worth of calories. Or more. You think, geez, like, all right, that's, um, it's quite scary that people can consume that much Alcohol. Alcohol or that much junk food and there's no second thought. Now, okay, fair enough. If you do it it once every six months, it's a different story. Well, again, but people aren't doing it once every six months. That's not here nor there, Daniel. The fact is, in the old days, Sunday was our day to, whether you want to call it our pig-out day or our refeed day or whatever, but our refeed day was never uh, junk food. Junk food wasn't available. Your grandmother would make a... uh, uh, roast leg of lamb and I'd have you know all the vegetables and some gravy and uh, apple pie with ice cream or whatever and that was that was a, a, a fantastic uh, meal mm. rather than uh, going Monday to Friday eating uh, tuna fish and egg whites and you know things of that nature you know? so so it, uh, yes changing your diet is good but why why eat uh, absolute crap rubbish food and then justify it by Putting a, a, a photo of it on social media and saying, "Look what I'm going to eat," that that's a really poor advertisement for you as a person, especially if you're trying to lead the bodybuilding lifestyle. And why we started bodybuilding in the first place was because we wanted to be fit, healthy, and strong. Fit, healthy, strong. Now all of a sudden we lost sight of that, and we can be eat McDonald's once a week, and then we justify that because oh, we need it. Okay, you don't need it. You're just weak. You've got a weak will. <laughs> Simple. Now, okay, now, there are probably a lot of people oh, yeah, that would say... That'll, that'll be yeah, a that'll, controversial that'll, subject. They there'll all, be a lot of people yeah. say, oh, you've got no sense of humour. Oh, no oh, haven't you? Know that. I haven't got a sense of humour. I think mean, you've got a pretty good sense of humour. No, but, but it's, it's, look, it's not about that. It's, it's about, you know, what is your primary objective? Why are you involved in bodybuilding? You want to be invo- involved in bodybuilding for what purpose? So you can be a, a guru, a keyboard warrior, and, and make uh, comments about, you know, everything's negative, negative, negative. You know, build uh, the, the whole well, thing. Anyone can get behind a keyboard. Yes, I know, and there are too but many people. Not key- everyone keyboard. can get up on stage and Thank be you. a good bodybuilder. Thank you. Okay, and that's the thing. Get up on stage, give it a crack, encourage people. Don't, don't burn people, don't pull people down. Encourage people, because people don't know where you started from. Okay, and I always remember, you know, Ingrid Barclay, she was a good friend of mine and she uh, uh, did uh, the Sonny Schmidt Classic many years ago and uh, she was so proud that she'd lost 
20 kilos. We, we got it down from 80 kilos to 60 kilos. She got up on stage at the Sunny Schmidt Classic. Fantastic. She was in, in a you know, dress after the competition. I was giving her you know, a, a kiss and a, congratulating her. And somebody came up and gave her the business card. Oh, you got a lot of potential. You just need to lose some weight. I felt like knocking this idiot out. Okay, because she'd already just lost 20 kilos. Yeah. Everyone has got a journey and why they're, they're motivated to do a contest mm. gives people purpose. I guess, and everybody wants to uh, be a uh, critique, everyone else, but they don't know the circumstances of, of where, where that, people, that person's been. Mm whether they've been through breast cancer or they've had psychological disorders or, you know, they've they, they suffered from anorexia or bulimia or bloody, you know, they, they don't know what the circuit... Even on the weekend, uh, there was a, a couple of people that, um, in fact, Steph Parker, you, you were there. Yeah. Her, her mum passed away three weeks ago, but she got up there and still continued on with it. And, and that gave her some resolve to maintain the situation otherwise you know if you think about it she probably would have stayed home and you know and been distraught and you know upset at the loss of her mother you know there's but been sometimes, you know, if, if you've got something going on in your life that's catastrophic no one blames you when you say look i'm pulling the pin on this competition. no no not at all but if you if you press through with it i guess it gives you um i don't know whether it, where i say it gives you, it gives you a distraction from your grief, but it certainly gives you something else to focus on than just Correct. being, being yes. uh, and, and that's the thing. Bodybuilding is very it's, selfish. It's a, uh, it's it's personal, but it can be used as a tool to uh, improve other aspects of your life. And I often say, the lessons that are learned or yeah. gleaned from from uh, being involved in a, a competition preparation, mm. you can apply to other areas in your life. It's not just a matter of the physical aspect of it. It's it's also can be re related to your personal life, business life. Yeah. You know, it, it needs, uh, you're not going to achieve your objective without some discipline, some commitment and, and uh, focus on, on what it is that you want to achieve. Yeah. There has to be, as I say, like a piece of string. There's a start and a finish. You know, if you if you start at one end, you've got to have that goal of the competition, but afterwards, as I said, it becomes a bit of an anti-climax. What do you do after the competition? Yeah. Do another competition or you reevaluate and reassess your situation. So there's there's short-term goals, long-term goals, but the the long-term goal is your health and your happiness. Why we started again, to be healthy, fit and strong, okay? Not to be 120 kilos with uh, uh, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0.0003% you know, uh, body, fat. body fat. And I can't even uh, wipe my own arms. Yeah, I can't, well, can't pull <laughs> my, my pants up, my you, pants know? Up, yeah. you know? And yeah. Yeah, gee, my testosterone levels, you know, yeah. Anyway, we won't go there either. That's another story. But uh, you know, I, I suppose that you know, it it does highlight the fact that um, in the world of bodybuilding, there are a lot of people putting themselves at risk, and whether they want to recognise it or not, or whether they want to say, oh, "I know people are just haters" or not, um, you know, when people react negatively to bodybuilding, it, it's often the uh, 
if you're if you're if I don't know how to put this really, but the the negative health aspects manifest uh, outwardly as you know in, in in your appearance. A lot of the time, if you're if you're doing something in bodybuilding that's obviously not healthy for you, <laughs> um, it, it's it's pretty hard to. to <laughs> no, nah, look, I, I'll, I'll put it this way, okay? In 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 life, there's certain types of personalities, let's say, okay? Now you're either a uh, you're a, a humble person, you you're uh, you've got good morals, good principles, good ethics, you've got integrity, you've got honesty, or you're the opposite, and bodybuilding amplifies that or magnifies uh, those qualities in in your personality and you either become uh, one of the good guys or you become one of those arrogant assholes that that people relate to okay and uh, at the moment there's a lot of assholes uh, in bodybuilding there are there's a, there's probably more arrogant assholes in bodybuilding in, in this day and age than ever before because historically in my era people uh, it was there was camaraderie and there was respect and there was honor amongst the the people that, that that did it in this day and age everybody wants to be top dog and everyone wants to criticize you know uh, whether it's one organization or one one bodybuilder he's got uh, no calves or he's got no this or he's got no that everyone wants to rip people down rather than giving people credit for the fact that they are pursuing something um, and bodybuilding is not in the Olympic Games. It's not a sport. It's not defined as a sport. So why do the exponents of it want to bag each other rather than encourage each other? That's that's what I, I, I don't understand in, in today's community. I, I, I think, I think uh, bodybuilding, in as much as we say it's not a sport, um, I look at what, what bodybuilding really is or, or what it wants to be um, as similar to professional wrestling, you know, people it's entertainment. Want, pe- exactly, pe- it's people, sport people want sports if you, entertainment. If you want to they, call it anything, it's sport entertainment. Yes. But, but people look at bodybuilding and they they want to um, they they want the the glitz and the glamour. Um, they want the the show, the big showpiece. They want uh, probably more than their fifteen minutes of fame. But they want the the controversy. They want all of that. That stuff that goes with it because it makes it interesting. If all you've got is a lineup of people on stage, um, you may as well be looking at still photographs. Because and that, but Daniel, that's, this that's is about, this is you come back to Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's the only guy. He's the guy that's that's popularised bodybuilding more than any anyone in the history of bodybuilding. Why? Because he is a communicator. He's he can go out and uh, and engage. Mm. People, whether it be through his career as a, um, uh, a, a a movie star, as a politician, whatever, the guy, even when he was, he couldn't speak bloody English, yeah. he was still, he's an engaging personality. He smiles and he, he, he engages people. He will always interact. I remember meeting him you know, many, many years ago in, in Melbourne here and he walked through the crowd and he wasn't, into uh, acting, and this is in the 70s, you know, uh, and, and he sat down and had a beer with all the guys, and he was just one of the boys, mm. okay? But he was still a great bodybuilder, mm. but 
he would interact with people. He would work the room. And that, that was his forte, that he would be able to identify what was happening. Yeah. And he was an opportunist. If there was something, if he, if, I don't know, maybe he was looking for a girlfriend, I don't know. But <laughs> if there was someone that wanted to give, make a, a business uh, 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 deal with him or, or offer him something, he was making himself accessible. Yeah. Whereas most people would, would, at that level, would do the competition and then run off stage and then go home. Go home. Yeah. He was, he was an opportunist. So he's probably, uh, um, he's quite unique in that fact that he would engage um, the community. Mm. Um, most bodybuilders don't do that these days. You look at what they do. They, they, they do the competition, then they've got to run out and buy McDonald's or pizzas and eat ice cream and you know, tell everybody how hard they've done it. Yeah. And I've, I've said this to a lot of our athletes, wait until the end of the competition, especially if you win, and I've had this conversation with a lot of the junior uh, competitors, wait until the end of the competition and work the room. Be photographed with people, yeah. make yourself accessible, you know, because this is what will make you, uh, or, or uh, uh, it makes you marketable. Marketable, and, yeah. and people want, want to be photographed with you, you know, holding your trophy, holding onto your arm, having some kids running around, you know, in the streets. You know, those sorts of photographs are paramount if you want to promote and market yourself. And that's what the majority of bodybuilders do not do mm. because it's they're all self-centered and it's about them all the time rather than looking at the bigger picture and yeah. marketing yourself and then saying, okay, mm. now... I've got something to offer a sponsor, potential sponsor, and I'm marketable, so I can make a living from this. Do, I can I can do something and get yeah. paid for being a professional bodybuilder. Do you, do you think that a lot of that's probably a bit mean to say, but I mean, uh, most bodybuilders probably don't have anything more to offer than their physical appearance. That's right, because it's very it's very sad. But I guess it's 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 a bit like you know people on Instagram. If all you've got to offer is uh, tits and ass, then that's a bit unfortunate. Well, that's all you. You hope, that, you hope that there's something. I know, more, but, you've, but you've got to be able to uh, sell yourself, mm. and uh, th that's the thing. It's having a great physique is is one uh, layer mm. to your well, identity. I've got to say, um, Jake Nicolopoulos. I remember I hadn't. I don't think I'd, I'd actually seen him on stage in, in a few years, and I hadn't heard him talk on a mic. We'll talk with the microphone. And he got up on stage and, and you were talking to him and I, I was blown away. He, he's, uh, not only is he great in front of a camera, he's also great on a microphone. He, and for me, that's, yeah, he's, he's extremely marketable. What is he, 20, he's my age, he's 29. 29, 30. 30. But so, that's true. But, you know, that's but there's, not many, there's not many people, even at his level, who, nah, are, nah. who are that they good. Can't, they most bodybuilders can't, can't string two words together and that's the whole thing. <laughs> you know, uh, Jake was... Uh, 19, I think, when he won the WFF Universe, he won the uh, 2014 um, Worlds in, in Italy. Right? He did the Universe last year. He placed sixth in the NABA Pro lineup. He's going back again this year. 13 but Worlds. 13 Worlds, yeah. So uh, the thing is with, with, uh, with people like Jake and, and the younger guys coming through the system, they, they understand the importance of marketing, and he's sponsored by... BSN, yeah. you know they're the the major sponsors for the WFF Worlds in Ireland this year. 
So, you know, and I think Flex Lewis, he's uh, sponsored by them as yeah, well. Yeah. So, you know, they're living the dream. Mm. Why wouldn't you want to be sponsored to travel the world and, and, and train and compete as a bodybuilder? Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to do that? And but then you're going to tell me, oh, life's too hard because uh, I can't find a sponsor. Yeah, there's the opportunity, but the sponsor is not going to give you money just because you're a bodybuilder. No. You have to be able to promote well, yourself I mean, and you, promote but, your product. But you, you've had those messages. Oh, I, oh, I, I, I did one contest. Give me <laughs> give me a thousand dollars to go overseas. Like, exactly. Who the hell are I know, you? But I, I, I will not do that anymore. I, I'm, I was I was talking to Nick Jones here uh, today, and congratulations to Nick. He's just had a little baby ball boy, um, his third child with uh, uh, Ange. Uh, um, but we were talking about that very subject today, Daniel, and, and Nick said the same thing. You know, it doesn't matter how much you give uh, uh, bodybuilders as sponsorship, they want more and more and do less for it, and it just makes no sense. You know, Keith from uh, Max's Amino Active, uh, Keith is the same mentality. Over the years, Keith's probably put more money into sponsorships for uh, in, in bodybuilding terms in Australia than any other company. But what's the return on your investment? Everybody asks that question. And bodybuilders will not give back. They take, but they're not giving anything back. And they just, uh, they're like cats with a light. They'll run wherever the, uh, the light is. Uh, they'll use up those people in, in that particular uh, area, and then they'll move on to another area. No, that's that's uh, it's, it's a generalisation. Well, not uh, everyone's general, like that. I'm not and, saying every. And we know plenty the, of bodybuilders well, we aren't do. like that. We, and well, we're lucky, but, there, but there's more. There are, there are more users. Of, there are more users uh, in uh, in the bodybuilding community today than ever before. There's very few loyal people, and and yeah. I'd have to say probably uh, Jake Nicolopoulos is one, very loyal, but the rest of them. What's in it for me? And uh, whilst you're feeding them, you know, with a with a, a silver spoon, they all love you. As soon as they don't win a contest, yeah. or you know, you're not going to give them something, you know, they they've been uh, um, betrayed. They've been um, uh, used. You know, all this crap that uh, people want to throw back at you. you know, what you know, we are facilitators. We facilitate yeah. the opportunity for people to compete in bodybuilding terms, but their choice of lifestyle and what they do and who they're with and you know what they do with their private lives, yeah. I'm not responsible for that. Uh, I suppose, look, you know, people can come back and go, oh, you know, I, I feel betrayed or whatever. But if you've got a judging panel of you know, 20, 23, 25 judges. Well, that's what as, we had in we, universe. Yeah, okay. we, we often have. But you know, when you've got that sort of a, a, a judging panel, you say, right, well, it's it's pretty difficult to either rig the scores against you or tell you that you weren't judged fairly. Because even if there is one person who wasn't really paying attention and they get it wrong, that score's taken out. But well, exactly. only 23 people got it Look, wrong. No, normally, uh, in Australia, we'll have uh, an odd number of judges. Uh, we'll have 9, 11, 13, whatever it is. We take the top and bottom score out to uh, eliminate the bias. Some organisations will have three judges. Sorry, you can't have a bodybuilding contest with three judges. Especially if it's a 16-hour show. Exactly. But, and, and look, a lot of people are complaining, oh, how can this person be a judge? How can that person be a judge? They're not qualified because they didn't win a Mr Universe contest or this or that. That's irrelevant. The point of the matter is all of these people are volunteers. And you were in New Zealand... We had a discussion about why, uh, you know, 
certain judges are on the panel, etc. These people are presidents of their countries. I do not speak Spanish. I don't speak Italian, you know, uh, or German or any other. So the 20-odd the countries that, that came to Florida, that's why we had so many judges, because it's disrespectful if we don't uh, invite these people who have travelled all the way around the world to be at a competition and for not to engage their national president as part of the administration of the event. Uh, and as I said, so if people want to stand out from the uh, the judging panel, that's at their discretion. I, I often say I don't want people to uh, uh, to photograph uh, or eat at the uh, judging table, but it's a long day from 10 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock. You can't expect everyone to sit there, not go to the toilet, not eat something. We, we have breaks in between. So the judging aspect of it, uh, unlike some places, we don't stack the judges with you know, ten judges from Australia, yeah. or, or you know, or, or one, you know, seven judges from one state. Yeah. We try and uh, have judges, a good cross section of judges that makes it fair. And if people don't understand that and appreciate that, sorry, it's the best that we can do under the circumstances. You're not going to get it any fairer than the way we do it. Yeah. Having seven, nine, eleven judges, top score goes out, bottom score goes out. What you're left of is with the sum. That's the result and of the look, competition. I've got to say, I, you know, having emceed, I don't know, a dozen or so shows now, maybe more, um, here in Australia, in Victoria, interstate and overseas, uh, I'm always handed the results and I don't always agree with them, but when I can see, all right, you know, out of a panel of 20 people. <laughs> what makes, what makes you the, think that your, <laughs> your opinion is... is well, no, that, that, and that's it, you know, I look at it from, from and, my and again, you're, you're, stage, at, you're, you're looking at it from an angle yeah. across the but, stage. But I mean, if I, a if lot I go, geez, Daniel, I don't get me wrong. I, I, sometimes I disagree with the, the results, but, okay, I'm the world president, I'm the Australian president, but I will not change the judging sheets because it causes more uh, confusion and more headache mm. down the track. Okay, we're not about uh, fixing competitions to, to suit people's uh, personal agendas or their, their egos. What I what you I know? what I mean is that that when I get handed the results, um, very often there's the tally on that sheet. If he, yep. if if, if uh, Mark Ryan or or Ead are, are, you know doing it, the, they'll give me the, the tally, and I I can see usually how close it is. And if and very very rarely is it ever. A complete basket case where the person who gets first was not first by a long margin. Yes. Usually, the person who wins is quite obviously the winner. Yeah. You might have a bit of discrepancy between third and fourth or second and third, but well, generally, okay. the, the you, person if you who look, wins if is you the look at uh, the universe, Robert Bagani was a clear winner on the weekend in, in uh, um, uh, New Zealand. Steve Bordeaux was a clear winner. Okay. You don't have to be a bodybuilding expert to look and go, this guy's he's just superior than the others. Yeah. Okay. So for me, okay, it's not cut and dry. Everyone's got an opinion, but it's the bodybuilder with the least amount of defects that wins the contest, not the biggest guy. So when you look, if you know what you're looking and for, not the person in the best condition. No, no you're looking. You're looking for someone that has weaknesses. Because he's the guy that's he can't be the winner. He can have the biggest arms, he can have the biggest chest, but if he's got no calves, and that's what I always say to the boys, 
Immobile of a great upper body. Don't stand with your legs apart in the A nice. shape yeah. if you've got no calves because you're accentuating the fact you've got stick legs. Mm. Stand with your legs together. Don't stand with them apart. If you've got big legs, yeah, stand them with them apart because that looks fantastic. You've got calves and you've got quads or whatever. But uh, in, in uh, the judging criteria these days is very opinionated. But um, And people volunteer their time. That's what you've got to remember as well. People pay for their airfares to travel interstate. They make time available for a 12, 14-hour event to sit there and then be criticised at the end of it because, you know, some uh, someone doesn't like the result. Sorry, it's 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 a call to contest for a reason. You know? Not everyone's going to agree with it, but if you if you can't cop the criticism, don't compete. Mm-hmm. You know? Because if you think that every contest you're going to enter, you're going to win, well, you're going to be very disappointed. Very very few people who are that well, good. Again, are you that know, lucky. You, but um, Daniel, I know, you I know, know a couple of them that have been but that you know, lucky over the years. Okay, but well, Peter was lucky; she never lost a competition. But you, you know, I've had uh, uh, people smash trophies and send them back to me in, in, in boxes and whatever. You know, give me uh, uh, little people, notes about what throw I trophies out. Again, you've been but, lucky because it's been. I don't know, it's been a lot of years since someone's thrown a trophy out the back. Well, it has been. And, we're, and we've seen that as well. And people you know. people have left their trophies. Uh, uh, again, uh, Dennis was just telling me in Singapore, one of the athletes left their trophy behind in, in one of the shows in Singapore. That's just poor sportsmanship, and that's a lack of respect. Yeah. Lack of respect. But uh, it'd, be, it'd we, be like someone going to the Olympics and leaving their bronze medal or yes, silver exactly. medal and going, I didn't, win, I didn't win a gold medal, so yeah. I'll leave the bronze medal. I can there. understand why Muhammad Ali threw his in the... Uh, in the, in, the, in the river, but uh, you, know, you know that story? No, I don't know about that one. It was, he, he, I think it was back when he was Cassius Clay. Uh, he won a gold medal, and or maybe it was a, his world championship or something like that, and uh, he went into a, into a bar, I think, to get a drink. Um, and I may have the story completely wrong, but yep, I think as the story goes, he went into a bar to get a drink, and they wouldn't serve him because he was black. Yep. And he went, I'm the world heavyweight champion, and... My title means absolutely nothing because the color of my skin. Oh, you know, yeah. he went. He walked outside through his through gold his medal. Yeah, well, medal or his well, belt well, or again, you go back to 1936 and, and, and Jesse Owens at uh, the Berlin Olympics. Same deal. You know, yeah. uh, you know it was the uh, Aryan mentality that the you know the, the black bodybuilder. But this comes all back to human rights and and again, bodybuilding should take all of that uh, politics, religion, race, color. It's irrelevant. You look at the best bodybuilders in the world, mm. most of them are black. Mm. Okay. So uh, there's no real discrimination, let's say, in bodybuilding terms. But um, I, I, I suppose that, yeah, that's, that's an interesting point that bodybuilding, um, I don't know if I'd say it transcends uh, race and religion and, and sexuality and all those things. But, but those, those things are not really on display. I mean, you can't really hide your race, but you can hide a lot of other... Yeah. things that might cause discrimination to be but, cast but upon this is, you. This is not, but this is not discriminatory, though. This yeah. is the whole point with bodybuilding. It's not. We don't discriminate. And when people start to say, oh, that we do, I, I take great offence at that mm. because it's not about you know, any of those issues. It's mm. really a, it's about physical perfection. And when, when you look at someone's physique, it's the person that's genetically gifted, okay, 
and has the least amount of defects and it's got nothing to do with anything else. And that's why people like Robert Vergana at 65 kilos can beat people who are 110, 120 kilos. Mm. Okay? So, All right, anyway. so I've got a couple of questions for you. I know we're, we're going <laughs> to run out of time. Uh, when have you been the most satisfied in your life? When you were born? All right. Okay, there's one. one. <laughs> uh, yeah, because you were my first son. So, uh, again, fatherhood uh, transcends anything that you could remotely uh, compare with in bodybuilding terms. So I, I won't even I won't even elaborate on that because that's just another part of... Uh, Not a facet of life. It's I a facet. It's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's, again, it's, Nick and I were talking today and you go through, there's probably four areas of life and... and being a, an athlete is the first part of your life because you want to be strong and healthy and you know sexually attractive to other uh, people. You, you know, then you go into the you know the, the period of your life where you're a hunter and gather and you're you're making a home and you're creating a family and whatever. And then you go into the statesman area of you know where I'm probably at at the moment because you've got the opportunity to uh, engage. Um, uh, or, or influence, mentor, you know, other people from your personal experience, and then you come into that, you know, uh, uh, twilight zone where you've really got to <laughs> you've got to come to uh, some reality, and, and you're um, uh, you're in in, in uh, uh, harmony with um, your creator and um, your um, mortality. Mm. So if you're comfortable with what uh, you've achieved in your in those other areas of your life when it comes to the final you know walking through the pearly gates you know you've, you've come to that realization that uh, the legacy you've left behind is uh, is something of um, significance all right so speaking of the pearly gates if you arrive at the, have you ever seen, uh, you ever seen uh, in the actor's studio no uh, uh, james lipton always asks a, a series of questions at the end of his interview and the last question is always this one um paraphrasing uh, if heaven does exist and you, you arrive at the, the pearly gates, what would you like God to say to you? Welcome, because he's not sticking a... I'm not going down the other end getting a pitchfork in my backside. <laughs> so, you know, if I'm, I'm there, must be I, I've done something right. So uh, just come on in. <laughs> come on down. Yeah. All right. Um, not like uh, what the, what's the one of the kids watch at home with the... Uh, uh, Stupid deaths, stupid deaths. Well, you know what's that? I'm not sure what oh, there's a there's a program that the kids watch it on the TV. Um, what, not horrible, 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 horrible histories. histories. Yeah, yeah. And there's a segment where the, where the, the the guy's got his uh, uh, the Grim Reapers there waiting yeah. for all the the people to come through that have died from stupid deaths. Yeah. And uh, you know this is the the whole point. So I don't want to be going through uh, through stupid deaths <laughs> saying why did you die because I. I was a bodybuilder and I did something stupid. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for my pleasure. <laughs> thank well, you for your and, time. And I might, and I might have to do this in, as two episodes. Okay, we'll do it again. One. We'll do it again another day. No, I mean, I'll split because this otherwise, one. if we stay here, my wife's going to kill you first, and, uh, and you right. second. All, All right. right. I'm probably uh, in that realm at the moment. You, 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 the if you walk too far away from the microphone, no one can hear what you say. Yeah, what's the time? Now? That's ten past six. Okay, so that was an interview with Graham Lansfield. Um, as you probably will have heard, you know, we 
go off a little bit on a little bit off topic. I don't really know. I didn't I didn't try to set it up with topics in mind. Um, I just let the conversation flow, and you know, whenever we sit down and talk, it the conversation flows very very easily. Um, he has a lot of strong opinions on the direction of bodybuilding and where things have gone and where he'd like things to go. Um, obviously, he has. Uh, I guess creative control over certain aspects in in bodybuilding, um, but look, you know, time will tell. Time will tell. So we have a really, you know, we have, we had a good time having a having a chat. Uh, I'm sure that we're going to talk again. I mean, you know, I see him a lot, um, but yeah, we'll we'll be overseas later this year for the Mister Universe contest in England and the World Championships in Ireland. And no doubt we'll, you know, catch up there and I'll probably record another podcast with him while we're over there and get some impressions from, you know, what, what uh, what's happening over there. So once again, this podcast is coming to you absolutely free on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Um, if you want to be involved in any way, if you'd like to help, if you'd like to support, if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, please feel free to get in touch with me. My details are all over Facebook. Uh, everyone can apparently contact me at all times of the day because, hey, they do. I get messages at midnight and three in the morning and nine o'clock in the morning and when I'm in the shower about bodybuilding. So I'm, I'm really, even though I don't work in bodybuilding, I don't make any money out of it. Uh, I pretty much live and breathe it because I have to because that's what you do as a promoter. So yeah, if you want to hit me up on Facebook, you can otherwise... Get onto the Facebook page, which is Facebook slash This Is Bodybuilding, or you just type This Is Bodybuilding into Facebook. Um, you can leave a comment or contact me through SoundCloud. Leave a nice comment and review on iTunes if you like what you're hearing. If you don't like what you're hearing, um, I don't know, maybe don't leave a negative review. I, I can do better. Please let me do better. No, I'm kidding. I can't do any better than this. This is the best it's going to get. So, 